This episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by Try Best, making healthy living easy. Welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Well, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Steve Prusak. We're really excited. We've got Eddie Garza here, a celebrity vegan chef, story of transformation you're not going to believe, author of Salute vegan mexican cookbook we're going to hear all about him and the amazing work he's doing so grab yourself a tea a juice some water we'll be back right after this with eddie garza did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today the juice guru certification program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time find out more at juicecoachtraining.com Well, welcome back to the show. I can't be more excited. We've been trying to set up this interview for, for a long time here with Eddie Garza. He was named one of the top 20 plant-based chefs by Foodable TV. Like I said, celebrity vegan chef, author of Salute Vegan Mexican Cookbook, 150 mouth-watering recipes from tamales to churros. And I want him to share his story of transformation. So let's bring him on the show right now. Let's welcome Eddie Garza. Hey there, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to be here. Wow, Eddie. And the website, I'll, I'm going to have it at the show notes, everyone. It's under um, eddiegarza.net. We'll have it up there for you. You've got to see the transformation. It's incredible. Let's t- take us back. I mean, because you were uh, uh, over 300 pounds. Yeah, gosh, that was a long time ago. It was, uh, it was a transformation that took about five years to get from the 310-pound guy to a healthy weight. Uh, the reason I yeah. wrote the book, Southern Vegan Mexican Cookbook, is because it's got 150 plant-based Mexican recipes that were really what I used to transition, that five-year transition, that I honestly, I still wanted all the flavors that I grew up with. I just needed them in a plant-based way. So I wrote that book for other people who were struggling from the same problems that I was struggling with, which is largely a lot of the, uh, a lot of the southern border along the Mexican-American border. It's just a huge area full of people suffering from obesity and other chronic diseases associated with obesity. So that's the reason I wrote the book. That's, uh, that's, a little bit of my story. And, um, mm. you know, I guess now I've been vegan for 16 years, uh, beyond that five point uh, period. I, once I hit that five point is when I really started counting. And that is, that's where I am 16 years celebrating my sweet 16 this year. Well, congrats, congratulations on that. I mean, take us back because, you know, a lot of people are trying to lose weight and they've tried all kinds of things. And I've even heard people have gone vegan and still can't lose weight. And there's some emotional factors built in too. What was it like for you and how did you make that transition? Because food is such an addiction, isn't it? It absolutely is. And it continued to be even during the first few years of my transition. It was difficult to find my way. It's why it took me so long. I made a lot of mistakes within those five years. And at one point, I almost didn't think that I was going to continue until I learned about the other implications of eating meat that was beyond my own health. It was the health of the planet and also what's happening to animals on factory farms. So it was at that point that I said, I really got to learn all about vegan nutrition because I want to be vegan, because that is who I identify as. Or at that point, I had identified as a vegan, as somebody who wanted to be a champion for the planet and for the animals, but also I had to protect my health. So I studied up a lot mm-hmm. on, on different, you know, on different types of, of plant-based eating. You know, I did the raw food thing. I did a lot of 
experimenting with juicing. I did a lot of experimenting with, you know, all those cleanses. So that's where I kind of was getting to the point where "Mm, this is not working for me. So what I discovered at that point was it's all about a balanced plant-based lifestyle for me. So I'm not saying that you've got to, you know, give up all the junk food. Occasionally I will, you know, have a, a vegan burger somewhere, but just like any other meal or any, any other kind of diet, it's all about balance and sure, making sure that you can maintain that over a long course of time. So that's why I say mm-hmm. 16 years of doing a nice balanced plant-based diet really is the way it's worked for me. Totally agree. Totally. I've been down that path before. And it's interesting because vegan, you know, to see it as popular as this, I've been vegan 26 years. And I now finally, my friends are like, wow, this is vegan is like the popular thing now. And well, maybe you weren't crazy. Are you, do you get that too? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that a lot of the people who I thought were never going to go vegan because they were, they were kind of those, um, I, I don't want to say this in a nice way. Cause I was one of those guys for a while. Um, but those people who are, who are knocking you and making fun of you for being a vegan, like these yeah. days, they're all going plant-based. And my brother is one of those guys. And, uh, and I joke about it because there were, there were a couple of friends of mine in college who I used to make fun of for having vegan chicken nuggets in their freezer. And now I think about it, I'm like, wow, I was the idiot then. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've all been there. <laughs> and then we yeah. ourselves in the end, but we can only hope that more people will wake up. Uh, you know, we, I guess we start by making fun, and then maybe one day we the light bulb goes up. But you wonder who what what makes that light bulb go off, and why is it that for some of the people closest to us, it never goes off? Don't you, you ever think about that? Yeah, you know, it's always hard to get the people who you love and the people who are closest to you to adopt everything. Of- about what you've adopted. Mm. And I think for a lot of it is that, you know, there are people who, if they're that close to you, they know all your flaws. They know all the things that are great about you, but they also have their own interests and they maybe don't want to lose part of their identity, I think mm-hmm. could be part of it. Uh, it could also be just a lot of cultural factors. You know, there are people who, uh, along the Mexican border where I grew up, who identify meat eating with masculinity. So people mm. who, you know, like all the machismo, like how do you, how do you give up eating meat and all those manly foods and still be a, a macho Latino? Well, mm. there's a very easy way to do that. You can, you can maybe use that, that attitude and be more of a protector for uh, the planet and for animals and also be a protector for probably their children. And that's a really great way to say, Hey, this is, we're knocking this, we're, we're, we're knocking this stereotype. You know, the, the machismo doesn't have to be associated with meat eating. Maybe we should just knock machismo out in the first place, but that's a whole other topic. But at the same time, like you can still be that protector of the home and also be a champion for the planet. I mean, when you were that overweight, and I was overweight too, but I wasn't to the extreme you were, but I've got really close friends that are there that I'm trying to help, and one of them's going for Overeaters Anonymous, thinking about getting his stomach stapled, and I just, I'm like, God, I just can't wait to get this interview out so I can share it with my friends and loved ones and, you know, our audience worldwide, which is really nice that you can take us back to that space of because there's that emotional attachment to food and to, to get us to that state. Right. And how do you, how do you start to overcome that and, and wake up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to really make this change. And, you know, and maybe you were a meat and potatoes guy. I'm not sure, but it sounds like you might've been. 
Yeah, I definitely was. You know, I growing up on the Mexican border, that's really where a lot of the big, heavy meat-based dishes from Mexico really originated. Uh, if you think about it, all the people who moved into northern Mexico were the people who were raising cattle, uh, raising pork, raising chickens for food. And that all really just kind of ended up being part of my culture and my lifestyle. And a lot of times, my family would, they, they fed us in order to show us they loved us. I remember my grandmother loved feeding us big amounts of food and lots of meaty dishes. And my father as well, my father who was from, who was raised in Northern Mexico, he loved to cook a lot of things with meat. Everything had pork in it. Everything. I remember they used to save all the bacon grease, but (laughs) uh, for, for, for all sorts of different things. But I, you know, there are so many changes that have happened in Mexican cuisine and so many people now trying to investigate what is it that was making the Aztec and the the Mayan people have very balanced diets. Well, it was a lot of the the foods that they were eating naturally, the things that came from the ground, all the things that the Mexican land gave, a a lot of squashes, a lot of beans, a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of other plant-based, naturally plant-based foods. Uh, Corn is a really great example. You know, one of the things that grows naturally in Mexico is corn. And Mm. there's there's a mushroom that grows on corn called huitlacoche. It's kind of like a super, uh, it's it's a trending food right now, but it's a mushroom that has a super high level of, or super high content of protein. Mm. So there's just so many different things that have, that have evolved now in Mexico. Amaranth, which is one of the ancient grains, or it's a seed actually, uh, was one of the foods that was originally, gosh, it was, it's, an, it's one of the foods like quinoa to Peru. That's what amaranth was to Mexico. It's superfood. But when the Europeans came into Mexico, one of the things that they did was they banned the cultivation of amaranth because it was used in pagan rituals by the Aztecs. So now there's a big movement to bring all those natural superfoods back into the Mexican cuisine, and it's exploded everywhere. Wow, phenomenal. So part of your journey was, you know, once you lost the weight and you connected the dots, because people get into this for a lot of reasons, either health, the environment, or animal rights. It's usually one of those three pathways, and for you it was health, but then you did connect the dots, and, and you know, I think that really solidifies your vegan lifestyle, would you say? Yeah, for sure. I was lucky enough to meet this uh, this friend of mine named Cherie Winston. It was during one of my, well, it was my second year of teaching, mm-hmm. and it was the first day of school, and I met her, and she's really the person who got me to go plant-based in the first place. She was the one who called me out for being overweight, that I need to go lose weight, and she's the person who started me on another whole way to view the world. So I started doing yoga because of her. I met a lot of people who were really interested in other social justice issues, and it all made sense, and it was mm-hmm. all things that I, I do feel like I'm a good person. I'm a compassionate person. And how can I apply this compassion to every aspect of my life? And I think a lot of people are like that. It's not just me. I'm not, I'm not just some random like uh, anomaly. I think a lot of us want to find that path. I hear that all the time. Every time I go and do an event in Mexico, people are there to try to learn how to do this. They want to do this. They just don't know how to do it. So it's cool that there are so many people now all over the world who are, who are going and spreading this message and making it accessible to the people. 
What would you say were some of the stumbling blocks or, you know, challenges when you started down this path of juicing, cleansing, eating more raw food, eating raw foods, and then vegan, healthy diet, finding your balance? What would you say were some of the, the roadblocks or challenges or, you know, anything that crept up during that time? I feel like one of the biggest challenges that I faced at the very beginning was meeting people who just did not have correct scientific information. So it's a lot of false science that was being spread back then. And I jumped into a lot of different weird fad vegan diets, like I mentioned. And one of them was doing really long juiced fast for no reason other than everybody else at work was doing it. I was working at a vegan restaurant at the time, but there, so many of us were doing those types of things and without any supervision, without really knowing what we're doing, just that, oh, I know that this person's doing this thing. Let's do it. It's 10 days. No big deal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of that stuff were, was kind of like the beginning of, at one, at one point, like I mentioned, it was sort of the beginning of what could have been the end for me. From that diet, I jumped into another all raw foods, but everything super highly processed. It wasn't just raw foods like eating bananas or kale or eating naturally raw foods. It was all very highly processed raw foods that just happened to be raw, but all put together and blended into this package of really dense and high fat and just wasn't making me feel good. I felt mm. not right. So from that diet, you know, jumped on to another one, which was doing uh, a three-day fast with uh, a juice, or rather with a cayenne water cleanse. It was a master cleanse. Mm-hmm. And, and I started thinking, why am I doing this? Like, I, why am I doing all these things? Really, at the end of the day, for me, it's what worked for me before. It was eating a more balanced vegan diet. And now I just want to add those flavors that I like. And I'm just going to do that. So I did that. And that's when it started really making sense. I started reading more books about balancing nutrition, uh, learning really basic things that a lot of us don't think about, not just eating more fruits and vegetables, but eating a larger variety of fruits and vegetables was really working for me. Switching things up like eating different types of grains, different types of, of seeds, and getting enough calories above all. I did notice that one of the things that was a stumbling block at the very beginning was that I just wasn't eating enough calories for a guy who worked in a kitchen for 12 hours. And it made sense that I was feeling unhealthy. And it made sense that I just wasn't processing my foods right because my body had some point had gone into a starvation mode you know it's just like things like that so i still feel like that is a problem with a lot of new vegans that they're still finding a lot of this information from all scientists who are spreading information about eating a cow you know eating a 800 to 10 or to 1200 calorie diet when you're a a working person an adult so Those are the things you got to really be careful. I pay attention more to websites like nutritionfacts.org that not just looks at one or two pieces of scientific evidence, but looks at a large range of of scientific research, combines it to come up with some things that are just very like it makes sense. Every single uh, every single research project came up with these things. So now we know that. Because there are, you know, uh, X amount of studies that say the same thing, it's likely that this is true science versus this diet. It's going to work for you because it worked for me and, you know, so on and so forth. So it's, it still is a problem, I think, 
And I, I'm glad that there are many people out there like Dr. Greg or Dr. Marisa Gonzalez, who does that in Spanish language and so many others. Oh, yeah, we are definitely. And the science backs it up, so there's no disputing it. It's funny how we have a tendency to overcomplicate things and come out with different variations and controversy and adversary when everyone can agree we should eat more fruits and vegetables, less processed is is best. I think the uh, studies prove that to be true. Right, right. So what about now? Like, so are you, um, you know, let's talk about the mission. Let's talk about the book. Like what led you to start living your passion to, you know, write the book and start getting your message out there and, you know, really becoming a celebrity in the movement? Well, to be honest, it was one of those things that I have always thought about doing. I've been cooking for as long as I can remember. When I was a kid, I used to spend all of my mornings, afternoons, evenings with my grandmother in her kitchen. I had two working parents, so she really raised us from a very young, like young age up until, I'd say, around middle school. And being in the kitchen with her was one of my favorite moments. So it's something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I, I've been wanting to, I had been wanting to write a book. I just didn't know what that book was, and it made sense. At that point, it was like my grandmother is luckily still alive. I get to, I, I want to give her the gift that I won't be able to give her in maybe 20 years. I need to do this now. So I decided I'm going to make a Mexican vegan cookbook because it's going to feature all the recipes that I learned from her, but in a plant-based way. I know that she was really proud of me as soon as I uh, lost the weight and had gone vegan and was interested in so many other social justice causes that she raised me to be compassionate. And she was happy that, to see that I was taking that compassion in action. So I wanted to write this book for her specifically. But the reason that I focused specifically on Mexican food, I do a lot of other foods now, a lot of other Latin foods and American foods and kind of global cuisine. But the reason I wanted to start with Mexican food is because, as I mentioned at the very beginning, there is a large population of people on the Mexican-American border who is suffering from the diseases and, and, and other chronic, well, a lot of chronic diseases that are directly from obesity. So I wanted to give them a gift as well. Hey, I love all these foods. I know you love them too. Let me show you how I can, how, how you can make these in a way that's going to be healthier for you and for your family. So it was really, it, it was a mission driven project mission to help other Latinos, specifically Chicanos, who were looking for, for answers on how to, how to improve their health, and also an homage to my grandmother, who thankfully I still have with me, and I'm working on my next book to be able to, to, to dedicate to her again. Love it. So again, the book is Salud, a vegan Mexican cookbook, and it's on Amazon bookstores worldwide. And of course, we'll have the link up at Juice Guru Radio under the show notes with Eddie Garza. You'll find it there. Uh, and it's eddiegarza.net. Right, Eddie? Anything else coming up in the future that you wanted to uh, talk about or, or your plans for the future and getting the message out? Because I know targeting the, uh, the food systems in Hispanic, in Hispanic communities was a big part of this. Yeah, that, that was a big part of it, and it continues to be a big part of it. I'm really excited that I'm working on a lot of projects in Mexico right now. I'm working with a hotel group in Guanajuato, Mexico, which, again, it's like my family always comes back into this picture somehow. But Guanajuato, Mexico is where my mother was born and where my grandmother was born and where I still have a lot of family. So I went out last year and did an event at a, uh, in Guanajuato called Veggie Land. It was the first plant-based event in the state of Guanajuato, which is considered one of the most colonial areas of Mexico. 
when you go there, it feels like you're in Spain. It's all colonial architecture. Now, while I was there, I met the, the executives at this hotel group that, that wanted me to come out and do an assessment of their menu because they had been getting a lot of requests for vegan food. And they were at the festival to learn more about plant-based foods. So I went out to their hotel, checked out their menu, and they brought me in to develop an entire plant-based menu for them. But during that whole process, it was so cool. I was I, I worked with my grandmother to coordinate a meeting with her sister, who I had only met via Skype a long time ago, and I had never met her in person. So my grandmother set up this meeting. I ended up going out to, to her house to meet her and my other cousins, who I had never met before. And during that time, I made an Instagram story that one of my cousins, who at the time was one of my fans, and we didn't know we were cousins, uh, reached out to me and said, you won't believe this. I see that you're at my grandmother's house. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So after that, I, awesome. I, I started checking out her other Instagram friends, and we had a lot of friends in common who were vegan in Mexico. So it's been a super cool project working in Guanajuato and bringing some plant-based menu items uh, to the hotel. At the hotel, you can try all these amazing dishes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the views are spectacular. So that's one of the projects I'm working on in Mexico that's really cool, bringing vegan food to a place that is like screaming for vegan food. And also, pretty soon I'm going to be going down to Chiapas, which is in the southern part of Mexico. Super beautiful. If you check out Chiapas, C-H-I-A-P-A-S, and check out the pictures, you're going to be totally amazed. But I'm going down there because some hotel groups had heard about the vegan food that I had brought to this to this exclusive hotel in Guanajuato, and we're like, we need an assessment too because we're having the same experience. We're getting more people who are looking for plant-based food because of their health. So I'm in the process of doing an assessment of their menu and I'll be heading down there next month and training their staff on recreating some of the dishes that they currently serve in a plant-based way. And then also next month, I'm going to be doing a plant-based summit. It's the first online summit that we're doing that has, I think, something like 15 to 20 uh, people on a 20-hour summit that's going to be online in Spanish for the first time ever. So lots wow. of exciting stuff happening in Mexico, and I cannot wait to, to to go and share this food and share my experiences and share what I've learned over the years um, to a population that is just hungry for it. Much needed. Eddie Garz, right here on Disco Radio. Thank you. Doing uh, phenomenal work. And um Thank you again for coming on the show. And, and you did say you're working on your next book, too. What's the focus of that one going to be? Well, the focus, I, I can't say too, too much, but I can tell you it's going to bring a lot of Latin heat and a lot of amazing flavors that you're just going to you're, you're going to freak out over. But thank you so much for having me on the show, Steve. It's been such a such a pleasure talking to you and sharing this with with your audience. And hopefully we get to see each other in person soon. Absolutely. Eddie Garza right here on Just Creative. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on.